Welcome back to the Running Wine Mom podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Slinsky, aka the Running Wine Mom. Today, we have a special episode featuring a fellow Bucks County mother who wears many hats. But before we dive into our conversation, let me share how I had the pleasure of meeting our guest, Brittany Janfania. I met Brittany at the Women of Influence Luncheon, where she was honored as one of the award recipients, along with myself and 22 other remarkable women. Brittany is not only a recipient of the Women of Influence Award, but also a local therapist, author, and mom. Today, we'll discuss her upcoming book, Vinny Goes to Therapy, and explore her work as a therapist, where she offers support and guidance to clients facing a range of challenges. But that's not all. We'll also touch upon her upcoming book signing event right here in Yardley, Pennsylvania. So whether you're sipping wine, going for a run, or just kicking back, get ready to be inspired as we uncork the insightful conversation with Brittany. Let's get started. Welcome, Brittany. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have you. Um, It was awesome when we did meet at the Women of Influence lunch. uh, We were like trying to figure out where we were going. And then we both realized we were from the same area. And so that was, I think it was destined from the start. Definitely was meant to be. Um, So to start each episode, we have our wine, wine, and one of the week segment. This is where we share a favorite bottle of wine, vent about something that has been bothering us, and celebrate our recent victory. So grab a glass, take a deep breath, and let's get started. What is your wine, W-I-N-E, of the week? I actually have some. Oh, cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Um, Cheers to you. Rosé, since the summer, that's really kicked off for me. Love a good rosé. And it actually is, like, good weather. for Like, I want to be in the red wine weather but it's just not there yet <laughs> yeah no yeah no um I've gotten really into Matua okay but I'm not I don't know labels of wine so I'll tell my husband look for the blue label the one with the blue on that's I mean listen if he can figure it out by blue label rosé like that's a winner right exactly <laughs> um so what is your w-h-i-n-e of the week colds coming home from school my daughter's in kindergarten battling one cold after the next <laughs> kind of trying to figure out our new normal you know yeah. the yeah. uh the fall and winter time i i can only imagine i saw a reel going around where it's like getting out my fall decorations and it's just like people putting tylenol on the windowsills <laughs> i've never related to anything more <laughs> oh my goodness so it's just like circulating through the house and so yeah that's a little bit of a pain Sure. So, so what is your win of the week? Yes, I'm so excited. I have been looking forward to this since we met and you told me about it. Yes, yeah, I'm so really excited um, to have you on. Like, I, like I've said, I think on like all of my uh, episodes with the local women, this is one of the best parts of it is just connecting with um, the locals, you know, and just wow. like seeing how many amazing women we have and men in our community, which is like the really the best part of it all. Yeah, definitely. Um, I always like to ask my guests, what is one one struggle that you have overcome leading to where you are now? And what's one thing you're most proud of in life? I think my biggest struggle was myself, mm-hmm. getting out of my own way, recognizing that I am capable of making these shifts for myself and challenging myself and achieving things. Um, definitely wasn't believing in myself. I kept thinking, there's no way that I could do these things. There's absolutely no way. Or if I was doing it, there's no way this is going to be successful. So that myself was my biggest hurdle I had to get over. Yeah. And I think a lot of, especially women have those um, struggles and that's something that this year, especially I think has been like such a growth year for me to kind of get out of that imposter syndrome thing, because um, you know, like even when I started the podcast, I was like, Oh, this will be like weird. Like, you know, no one will 
no one will like this or no one will want to do this. And then when I do meet people, they're like, oh my God, you have a podcast? Like, that's so cool. And I'm like, I don't know. Is it like, I don't, you know, I, and you kind of get into that. But the most important thing is like, no, like own it. That's what you got to do. And you're doing amazing things with therapy and, and writing. Um, I'm excited to talk about your children's book and just so many wonderful things that um, I'm excited to get into. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that that's something that a lot of people can relate with as well. Yeah. We are our own worst enemies and trying <laughs> to become our best advocate is a hurdle in and of itself. Yes, it is hard. Um, what's the one thing that you're most proud of in your life? Oh, my kids. Absolutely. And I'm also excited to talk about them a little bit yeah. uh, later in the podcast. Um, but before we get into your family and business life, I'd like to start off with fitness. What is your favorite way to stay active? So when I can, I like hit workouts, core workouts and whatnot, um, walking, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's super hard with kids. That's all yeah. parents know. Um, so I even just try to focus on running after my kids and running around with them at the park and counting them as a good workout. Yeah. And that's, that really is, um, you know, we don't think about the little things that we do, especially as parents. I also saw something where it's like, you know, women are afraid of, lifting, you know, more than 12 pounds or whatever. And then it's a picture of a mom carrying like two toddlers. And it's like, we're lifting things, kids and groceries and, um, you know, bending down and picking up. And those are all uh, ways to incorporate movement in your life, which is awesome. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I used to get so down on myself if I wasn't like regimented with each workout until I recognized, like I look at my, like my fitness watch and it was like, I exceeded the steps. I did X amount of workouts. So now I'm just trying to give myself some grace and compassion and recognize, you know what? I ran after a toddler all day long. Yeah. <laughs> I carried them up from tantrums and this and that. And I'm counting that as a win. Yes. And not only the uh, physical, but mental workout that you get with toddlers is also Absolutely. a struggle. <laughs> yes. um, how do you stay motivated to maintain any of your fitness routines? I, it is busy, but obviously it's still a forefront of something in your mind. What's your motivation for it? Just to feel good. I used to really focus on all right, the only benefit out of working out was my appearance if I looked better, right? But now I've noticed that there's such a shift. And, you know, as a parent, you don't really get time for yourself. And that's the one thing that I'm only going to get the benefit from. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to focus on being selfish in a good way and using my workouts as that. Yeah, selfish in a good way. I love that. Um, as I feel as though anyone coming into motherhood, it's so hard because it's hard to balance working out and and um, raising kids and being a wife and all of those other things. But um, also, we we need to remember that it's not selfish because we're making ourselves healthy, and then we can have longevity for our children and their children, and maybe their children after that. You know, so um, you know, being a little selfish for yourself is is a good way to put it, and I love that. That's important. Um, and can you talk about the relationship, you know, go into a little bit more the, between mental health and physical fitness? Oh, my goodness. Well, mental health reduces anxiety, depression, um, even finding that motivation is hard mm-hmm. for somebody who struggles a lot with uh, with depression. Um, so one, having the motivation to get yourself up to do it feels like a win. So it builds mm-hmm. confidence within yourself. There's also so many studies to show that exercise helps memory. Um, so as people get older, they think, oh, I don't have time for it or I don't need to do it or my body doesn't feel the right way anymore to be able to exercise. All the more reason to do it. 
thinking longevity, where it's going to benefit us emotionally, not only physically. Yes. And the longevity piece of it is just so important that people do think of in the now, they don't have the time, but like, think about in 10 years from now, do you want to be in the same spot that you are? You know, are you ever going to be able to make time for yourself? Are you just going to keep saying you don't have time and then it's too late, you know? Um, all right. So let's get into a little bit of parenthood. Tell us about your family. Uh, well, my husband and I, his name is Paul. We met in undergrad. We went to Bloomsburg University. Um, we've been together almost 14, 15 years now. Um, so yeah. we've been married about eight years. So Benny is our dog. <laughs> we have a massive Bernie's mountain dog. So he's the basis. He's the main character of my book. Um, and we have a daughter, Alexandra. She's five. And she just started kindergarten. Um, oh. And she is just so like she's into gymnastics and she's really into like singing and dancing and everything and then my son Anthony just turned three yesterday Um, oh happy birthday yeah so that was super cute but he's definitely finding his own into like trucks and cars so we have two very opposite trying to (laughs) find the balance between um but the two of them are like best of friends and that's just warms my heart to see them together like Uh, we love going down the shore and you know just trying to spend as much time as we can outside Yes. And we are, again, very lucky that this has been an awesome fall to still be outside. Bucks County is, I think, the best place ever to be in the fall. There's so much stuff to do. And just the beauty of it is like my favorite thing. We're just, we're the same way, constantly outside. Yeah. We're Um, we're big, big football fans too, like Penn State football. So we actually try to just watch the games outside, like just spending as much time as we can, which is a lot of fun. So football season's our favorite. Um, what do you think you were least prepared for in parenthood? Well, one, not sleeping. <laughs> um, but two, I would just my judgment on myself. I was so critical. I just I didn't think that I would be that way at all. I was so yeah. hard on myself. Any decision, any choice or or you know, I would I just was so hard on anything that I was doing. I I don't think anyone that I've interviewed has like specified it that way, but I think everybody's said it kind of in like maybe some form, but it's so true the way we are, like just so hard on ourselves. And and the one thing, you know, that I kind of my husband and I talk about, we're like, but like, why are we hard on it? We can do whatever we want. We're adults. There's no, like, we're not going to be arrested because like, we didn't get our kid to bed at 7 p.m. Um, like, if it works for you, let it work. And um, it's just so interesting how we just are automatically so hard on ourselves with every decision. Like we're saying, you know, you think you're wrong or you're doing something incorrectly or, you know, um, but yeah, that's that's definitely something that I feel like a lot of women can probably relate to. Oh yeah. Oh, I um, still feel like that sometimes, you know, <laughs> and then mom built kicks yeah. in and I'm like, this is all part of it. It's okay. Yes. Well, you're doing a great job. <laughs> if no one's told you, I'm, I'm telling you, you're doing a good job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and what do you think that your parenting style is? I go through a mix of all of them. I feel like I'm not like, you know, set in stone on one. I know that there's so many different like authoritative and everything, but um, I definitely, I don't know if it's the therapist in me, but I lead a lot with emotion. We talk about our emotions a lot. We talk about not only like what we did, but how we felt doing it. Also huge component for, they have to learn from their mistakes. So if I'm going to tell my kids two or three times not to jump off of something and they do it anyway, I'm like, you're going to learn far more by getting hurt than you are about me telling you not to do it. So 
I know that that kind of gets some pros and cons and people have mixed emotions about it, but they end up learning and then it builds confidence in themselves. And I think that's also people are scared to let their kids make mistakes. And but I that really truly is the best way, like you said, for them to learn and grow and like um and sometimes they might surprise you, like, because our fear can outweigh what they can actually do, where you're saying, like, no, don't do this, don't do this. But then, like, all of a sudden, they're doing all these things, and it's helping them grow. So I think that's something that's really important to do. Um, and then the emotional aspect of it, I think just, like, in general, people have a hard time talking to their kids and dealing with young children and their emotions. Um, so that's going to be so beneficial for your kids as they get older to have a mom like that to, you know, work, th- be able to have the tools to work through their emotions and understand. Yeah, it. I know it, we, we laugh that we, we think like my daughter, she's five going on 15. Cause you know, she just, she's developed such a language for herself. And the narrative is just, how am I feeling? What are my emotions trying to tell me? And, Sometimes if I'm getting frustrated or stressed, I'll be like, mom, breathing, <laughs> you know, um, just making it okay to talk about these things. Yeah. And some adults can't even do that. So the fact that your five-year-old can is just like, I mean, that's yeah. awesome. And hopefully like she can help her friends with that too, as she gets older or, or adults, maybe your teacher. She just have to breathe. Yeah, you know? right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I would like a student, you know, that would be nice if a student recognized that about me. Like, hey, just breathe. Okay, you're right. Yes. (laughs) And what is one piece of advice that you would give other parents? Trust yourself. Trust your gut. The decisions and choices that you're making that are best for yourself, your family. That's what you go off of. The unsolicited advice that people think that you need to have, you could throw it out the door. Um, Especially when it comes to like nursing versus bottle feeding out the door, just doing what's best for yourself, because that's going to be your best bet, one for your kids' health, but yours as well, your mental health too. Yeah. And that's with us, like being so in the like early stages of motherhood, mm-hmm. essentially, I, I teach the like, you know, late the high school kids and I see them up there and I'm like, I could not even try to point out which kid was breastfed, which right. kid like walked first, which kid slept the night at an, a perfect age. Like, it's something when you're in the thick of it that you don't also think of, oh yeah, everybody's just running around living their life and nobody really knows what happened in those first yeah. like five years. You know, my daughter, <laughs> I think is a really great example. She didn't walk till she was about 18 months. She scooted on her butt everywhere. And now she's in gymnastics. She plays softball. She's all over the place. Uh, she's cartwheels and yeah. flips all over the place. And you would never know. So that I think looking back is like a big reminder for me. Like I got to take a breath and just be okay with what it is. Yeah, I'm sure that was so stressful. And, and the comparison of seeing kids her age, right. like I know I do that when I'm around. I'm like, wait, that kid can do this, or that kid can. Do- Why isn't my child doing yeah, this? Yeah. And um, they'll exactly, all get there. Exactly. <laughs> Um, All right, let's shift our focus into your work as a therapist. Um, You have created a comfortable and inviting practice that provides therapy through video conferencing, making it accessible to clients from the comfort of their own homes. Can you tell us a little bit more about your approach to therapy and the issues uh, you work with your clients on? Absolutely being comfortable. I remember going to a therapist and I was driving. It was the the rush hour after work and it was the commute and then you're going into an unfamiliar environment talking about extremely vulnerable situations and topics. So that's, it amps up your anxiety. You're not yourself during the sessions. 
Some people really benefit from in-person. I've seen so much growth and progress with my clients doing it from the comfort of their own home. Um, I love it. I, I think that it, it just makes us far, far more comfortable even speaking together. Um, I think it's grown such a strong rapport too between us. I mean, we see each other in vulnerable states. I mean, sometimes like I'm in my pajamas, like my hair up and we're just, <laughs> just being human, talking about things. Yeah. Um, I work yeah. with, you know, all genders. Majority right now is female. I work with college. And really it's the struggle of anxiety, self-worth, confidence, finding our own sense of self, especially as parents. You know, as a mom, you're so focused on everybody else's lives and everyone else's needs. And the biggest thing I have that I hear from people is I don't know myself anymore. So it's having a stronger sense of self-worth and self-respect and leaning mm-hmm. into being okay to be selfish, focusing on the good that you're going to receive and being okay with it. Yeah. And that is also like interesting where you're saying like everybody's so concerned with everybody, what everybody else is doing, but people forget about what is happening in their own yeah. homes. Um, and that I actually just saw one of some, one of the girls that I follow on Instagram, she just posted and she's like, it was like a story about, you know, she talks a lot about motherhood and she was like, I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all, I, I'm, I don't have any more time for anything else, but then like, I feel as though I'm not doing as much as everybody else is. And she's like, is it because they're doing different things? And I'm like, oh, I also want to do that. And I was like, I never kind of thought of it that way because you are doing all of these things and people are fitting in different things to their own timeline. So you can't compare, you know, if some, if, if you're getting groceries from three to four and someone's going to the gym from three to four, like you can't be doing the same thing at the same right, time, you right. know? Um, and can you share a little bit more about how virtual therapy conducted through video conferencing can make the, it a, make the therapeutic process more like comfortable? I know you said like, you know, they can come just as they are, which like is very important. Um, but it's like what you think the biggest thing is um, that makes it if someone's hesitant to seek it like a as opposed to a non-traditional in-person right. setting. So there are some thoughts of it feeling a little bit more disconnected rather than <clears throat> sitting in person with somebody. And you know, there are some moments with with clients that I think, you know what, we would really benefit um from being in person. But the majority of it is I've just seen such stronger vulnerability from everybody. A lot of the time if their pet is sitting with them. You don't really have that option um, sitting in an in-person session. Like just being in your home in and of itself. I've had some people log in at a coffee shop just because they just want to get out a little bit. And um, something Mm -hmm. that I would love to incorporate is walking therapy. I've been seeing that a lot lately. And I think that just getting outside, getting fresh air. I have some of my clients seeing me like out on their deck if it's a nice day. Just being able to be comfortable as you are in your own element, in your own environment. Yeah. And and that is so true. Like, and especially for busy parents, they're like, I don't have time to go drive somewhere and sit for an hour and then drive home and they can tailor it to their schedule, Absolutely. which is really nice. Absolutely. Um, and then how do you tailor your therapeutic approach to address the, all of the concerns? Like what strategies do you find most effective? I know that this this topic is kind of controversial with a lot with a lot of different therapists, but I think that in some situations, self disclosing builds such a strong rapport and brings such a different type of connection with your clients, knowing that we're all human, you know, and 
going to see a clinician can be very daunting, right? You're opening up, you're being very vulnerable, speaking about things in your life that could bring all sorts of emotions out to somebody that you have no idea anything about them. That thought, I think, is deteriorated from a lot of people going to therapy, right? It kind of um, has this whole separation that it, the thought of that in and of itself is daunting. So self-disclosing a little bit, laughing, bringing it a little bit more lighthearted. We can dig in, um, which I always encourage to. I always remind my clients, I'm going to hold your hand through this. I'm not going to do it for you. You're going to develop the tools to be able to do it, but we could laugh along the way. I'll cry with you. (laughs) I have cried with my clients (laughs) too. Just having a far different empathetic approach. And the biggest takeaway I think that I've learned is not every single client is by the textbook. So there are different therapeutic approaches that I favor that I think help tremendously, but they're going to be different for every single person. Um, They're going to have far different outcomes for everybody too. So nobody is that cookie cutter, you know, client and kind of working with them to develop what they want. Because if I start rambling off what I think that they should or shouldn't be doing, it's going to just set up for unrealistic expectations, failure, disaster. No one's going to feel great about that. So However, I can uplift my clients, but push them in a healthy way and challenge them is by far, I think, the most successful. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So you have lots of different tools to help them. And one of the tools could be your new book, Vinny Goes to Therapy. Um, And so let's kind of like shift our focus to that. You're going to be having a book signing event on November 4th at 2 p.m. at Buttonwood Park in Yardley. I am going so we're recording this, you know, uh, October 25th, but I'm going to have it out for Tuesday, um, which is Halloween. So it'll be right before. So hopefully people can hear about it. And, um, you know, I'll definitely share about it as well. We sadly cannot come. I'm so upset about it. We'll be away. But um, I hope everybody marks their calendar. And so can you tell us more about the book? What can readers expect? The message you hope to convey through Vinny Goes to Normalizing therapy. therapy, normalizing emotions and kids and you know, not only it's not just an educational book, but it's interactive, too. So you'll see in the book um, some familiar faces, right? So you see Vinny, my kids are in it, too. So I was I surprised them with that, too. But um, just giving kids the tools to figure out what are my emotions? What is this feeling telling me right now? You'll also see coping skills. So there's going to be um, different explanations of coping skills. And then it's up to the kids to be able to match which coping skill could help calm which feeling that they're experiencing. Oh, I love that. Um, so what motivated you to write the book um, in a children I've perspective? I always wanted to do it. I remember <laughs> sitting at a residency in grad school and we were talking about just so many different opportunities that can come from your master's degree in, in counseling. Um, and this was like the first thing that that really popped up. But um, previously, I worked primarily with kids. I worked with kids in office and in a school setting. And just learning that there's so many emotions that come in with kids, but the one common thing is that parents are always telling them what to do to feel better, right? Oh, calm down, or oh, do this, or, you know, and I don't know about you, but my Italian self cannot hear calm down. That would make me more angry, right? So um, <laughs> yes. I learned that with kids, like building that confidence to know that I can, I know what's going to help me. And then once they're able to calm their emotions, they feel great about themselves. Um, so it's confidence building. 
um, giving the kids the tools to not only be aware of, there's so many emotions, not just angry and happy, right? You're not in trouble for feeling what you're feeling. Um, sending the message that you're in control, you have every opportunity to be in control, and I can lean on a grown-up if I do need some help. But ultimately, it's up to me. It's my choice. And that's something that I've been, I implement with my kids, too. Like, you know how you're feeling. You tell me. I'm not going to tell you. You tell me. Yeah, I feel as though we think that little kids can't regulate those emotions. And, you know, they're learning through them. But if you give them the way to do it, and, and you're right, like, as an adult and as an Italian as well, like, I hate when people are like, oh, no, you should do don't get do this. No, this is how you should feel or, you know, whatever. And it's like, let me just feel my feelings and then move forward. So why would we not think that a child would want to feel the same way? Um, And that's like, if you're in a scary situation or something and someone's telling you like, oh, you shouldn't be feeling scared. And, and, and that's like, imagine a child, like you, you shouldn't be saying certain things to them, like comfort them. And um, I think people do get a little bit like confused with, you know, the whole gentle parenting and you know, they think that because you're teaching emotions that your kids can do whatever they want. And like, that's not it. You're just giving, setting them up with the tools to be successful as a human being in Absolutely. general with um, learning to how to deal with their emotions. Yeah, I've worked with so many kids that all they needed to do is just feel heard or all they needed to do is just learn mm-hmm. how to even say what they're feeling, but their behavior gets in the way. And so they're quick to react rather than quick to respond. And there's a big difference. And I try to teach that um, with the kids that I work with, even adults that I work with, um, you know, reacting is flipping a table, screaming, having a tantrum. But a response is is really feeling what you're feeling, reacting to that response, whether it's okay to cry, you know, it's okay to take a couple deep breaths, take a good walk away, but recollecting yourself. But you got the kids have to take responsibility for their behavior, too. So that's also part of this, too. That's awesome. And so how did you approach the subject of emotional regulation and behavior modification in a way that's both um, educational and fun for kids? I know you said they have choices. Um, like what are some of the ideas behind all of so that? So it's bringing back to the basics, right? So for adults, we could focus mm-hmm. on different breathing techniques and everything. But for a kid, it's very overwhelming. Um, and kids feel the same emotions that adults do, right? But the adults always have the expectations that are knock it off. We're in public. Let's calm down. Right. So um, giving kids the options, you're going to see meltdowns definitely reducing because they have the ability to and they're reminding, oh, I can do that. I can figure this out. I can handle this on my own. Um, Also, having my kids, too, has been hysterical because they both react to things very differently. So I think that this book has helped them both in their own ways. Um, There's a multiple coping skills that they can choose from. And at the book event, I'm going to be doing more of a workshop where we're going to learn all of the coping skills that are in the book, learn um, the emotions that you could relate with it. So then the kids have the tools to fix things for themselves. Oh, I love that. So what age do you think that the book is best suited for? Well, it's hard to say. So my, I was really, I think it depends on the kid, to be quite honest with you. Um, The emotional maturity in some kids are you know, greater than others. And um, it's really geared for kindergarten to fourth grade. However, I have worked with much little ones and, and it wor- those coping skills work great for them too. Um, but also as adults, mm-hmm. as we're, like we all need reminders of the same coping skills. So I think it kind of varies, you know. That's what I was going to ask you next. Like how can parents or caregivers use this book as not only a resource, but maybe to help 
you know, help children manage their feelings and emotions, but also themselves? Do you think it could help them as well? Yeah, so practicing with their grown up, first of all. So when you're in a very heightened situation, you're not going to think very rationally, right? So it takes a sound person or a support person to remind you, hey, this skill really helped you. Um, so one thing that's in the book is candle breathing. And that is a good, a very good way for kids to concentrate on, I don't want to blow that candle out. I don't want to blow the flame out. So I have to really calm and control my breath. But for myself with my daughter or my son, I have to remind them, hey, remember this really worked last time. Let's do it together. I'll sit with you. Like you ha- you're you not going to be mm-hmm. alone. If you want alone time, I'll respect that. But I am here to help you. So they don't feel like they're in it alone. And they feel like they have your support too. Um, but you're their soundboard. Yeah. You have to really practice what you preach, essentially, even though, and I do feel as though so many people learn so many like deep rooted emotions about themselves when they have kids and about the way that they react to things and the way that they handle things. Um, And I know that I have, as a parent, have done a lot of work on myself just trying to be like, wait, why is this making me react this way? Mm -hmm. And so something that's something that probably is really helpful for a lot of parents to kind of be like, my kids need to learn this. So maybe I need to learn oh, this yeah. as well. I was in Target recently and heard my son's tantrum. <laughs> we both practiced this candle breathing. I was like, I need to breathe just like you need to breathe. So we sat there and just practiced. Yeah. We need it too. And it is, it really is so true. And I, I feel as though I've learned it in teaching. Thankfully, before I had kids, it was a little bit of help, but I literally almost have to close my eyes and just stop for a second and just shut my whole body down for even it's half a second. And then I'm like, come back. Yeah. Okay. Let me figure out how I can react to this differently yeah. than I want to. Having your kids <laughs> learn how to regulate their emotions and their behaviors, it's going to help the parents and our own sanity. You know, so we're not sitting there trying to help them and trying to give, you know, guidance and, and oh, we'll try this and try this. And it's only going to spike their anger even more. Having your kids, mm-hmm. like, giving them the confidence and they're going to just grow and evolve emotionally. You're going to feel such a sense of relief, too. You're not going to see them struggling. You're not going to get, you know, your emotions aren't yeah. going to get the best of you. You won't be reacting. It's all around a win-win. Yeah. That's so important. And so for you writing the book, did you have like any personal um, touch besides the characters in it that influenced your approach to how you wrote the book about emotions? Like, did you have maybe when you were thinking about it back in grad school, did it totally change once you had kids um, or working with kids about how you you thought that you wanted to kind of have it um, written yeah, out? I um I didn't have my dog yet. So the vision with Vinny came <laughs> later and then it just kind of like develops from then. And I used past experiences with coping skills that I knew worked with, with kids, not just my own kids, but um, clients of mine and the parents that I've worked with that have kids at home that we've been working on together. So I used more of like an evidence-based approach that I would use clinically anyway, um, working on and using what worked and what didn't and kind of using like an elimination process. But again, like kind of like my parenting style, just leading with emotion, you know, kind of not only just expecting what kids want to, you know, clinically what they need and their parents want to hear, but like, how are they going to feel reading this? Bringing a lot of the emotion into Mm -hmm. it too. All right. So you answered so many things. I'm so excited to um, 
get your book. And I know so many people will um, benefit from it. Do you have any um, favorite additional resources or tips for pe- for parents who want to support their children in developing a, um, emotional awareness and regulation skills? I would say reaching out to a therapist. Um, there's such a stigma and it doesn't make you a bad parent. I think it just makes you human. Um, kids can go see therapists. Parents can go see even, I mean, parents, I think just in and of itself, you're only one person and you deserve a space too to be able to speak about your emotions. Um, that would be your best bet for learning like, healthy, appropriate coping skills that match you and your needs specifically. A lot of people can Google mm-hmm. left and right, but it really isn't specific for for your emotions, what you need, and especially for your kids too. Yeah, I feel as though, especially adults, you might not even know why, you might think you know why you're reacting the way you are, but to have the questions that you're able to, or another therapist would be able to ask is so important. Um, and so where, if if someone were to be looking for a therapist, what's the best resources for them to look? Is that a Google search, you think? Yeah, or, so um, referrals as well, um, but also Psychology Today. I have my posting, my listing on there mm-hmm. too, but you can, that's a great resource. You can, um, you know, type in by location and if you want it more specific to telehealth counseling video or in person only, you could list it by insurance too. So that's almost like Google in and of itself for like a whole bunch of, you know, and you could, you know, have it very um, specific for what you want, you know, um, gender based and, and everything like that too. That's a great resource. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for everything. That's going to bring us to uh, the end of another episode of The Running Wine Mom. Uh, Again, I want to express my gratitude to you, Brittany. Thank you for sharing your insights, experiences, and inspiring journey behind your book, Vinny Goes to Therapy. Um, Don't forget to mark your calendars for November 4th at 2 p.m. when Brittany will be hosting a book signing event at Buttonwood Park in Yardley. Um, It's an opportunity to meet her in person and get your copy. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review and sharing it. You can also follow me on Instagram at the running wine mom underscore, and you can find Brittany on Instagram at BAF therapy services. And I will also link where you can purchase her book. Um, thank you. Brittany, thank you so much. It's so good to see you. Yes. And we uh, need to cross paths more. Um, all right. Remember you are strong, you're capable and you're all amazing until next time. Keep running, keep sipping and keep embracing the joys of motherhood. Cheers. And I will be back next Tuesday.